Welcome to the United by Strength podcast. Hard work knows no gender, race, sexuality, or creed. It is the universal building block upon which successful tribes are built. Here, you will learn from powerlifting coaches, gymnastics coaches, CrossFit coaches, nutrition coaches, and strongman coaches. We collaborate and share best practices and want to bring our experience and continuing education to you. Today, we are diving deep into Becoming a Supple Leopard, the ultimate guide to resolving pain, preventing injury, and optimizing athletic performance by Dr. Kelly Starrett with Glenn Cordoza. This book uh, is... uh, One I've seen at many of the decent gyms, if not most of the decent gyms that I've ever had the privilege of dropping in at, Um, and it has been around for a minute. So we're going to kind of dive into this. This is a book I have been reading recently, so I'm going to kind of take point on the discussion, and Chanel um, is going to be coming into this as well, talking about um, how some of this relates to some of her practice in terms of um, rehabilitating athletes and getting them uh, back into the fight. Um, But just looking into this, it was first published in 2013. So it has been around for a significant amount of time. And um, Kelly, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a history buff on individual people, but um, from what I understand, he has been a, was a cornerstone, uh, one of the original, kind of subject matter experts that was in the mix when CrossFit was really establishing a foothold um, for itself uh, and was kind of their go-to guy for mobility and, um, you know, repair, uh, just like what the subtitle of the book says, you know, resolving pain, preventing injury, optimizing athletic performance. If you go onto YouTube and watch some of the old CrossFit uh, videos or even some of his old mobility wide projects, um, you'll see the kind of guy this, uh, dude is. He's very much in line with, you know, Glassman and Louie and even Ripito if in different ways, but just, you know, kind of a mad genius who is kind of on his own planet half the time, um, can go off on long rabbit trails of going into detail on things that, uh, will make your head spin. Um, he's definitely someone, if you, he's been on a lot of podcasts, uh, a lot of really good ones. I believe he was on, he was on Joe Rogan. He's been on Barbell Shrugged a bunch of times. Um, he's been on probably paleo solutions. I know him and Mark Bell are close friends. So I believe he was on the, um, power cast quite a few times. And I know that, um, Kelly's podcast and his business has changed, is rebranded to the ready state, which we'll talk about, um, a good bit. So he's got a lot of he's big digital offerings now. And he was one of the, um, I think he was one of the pioneers in the fitness space of moving his products to a paid platform. He, he was kind of one of the people who was first to say, man, I could provide a much better quality product to people, um, even though they're expecting free information 
um, I, c- I can provide a much better product by putting it behind this paywall kind of deal. And it was very quickly realizing doing the calculations, how much money he was expending, um, <laughs> putting out, you know, free mobility stuff. I believe the, the mobility project going back to that, you can still find those videos on YouTube are, you know, shot with a phone in his garage half the time or out at, um, San Francisco CrossFit, which was, you know, a shipping container under an awning, uh, at the, in the back of a old, um, like military commissary kind of deal. And, um, yeah, I think he did a hundred videos in a hundred days or something like that. That was his challenge to himself was to film some kind of mobility thing for, you know, five or so minutes. Some of them are a little longer. Um, but I still, I mean, I still send those videos out to people as recommendations when someone tells me they got an ouchie or a boo-boo. It's just a really easy uh, go-to thing to throw out there. But I think he realized very quickly that that information, you know, instead of shooting it on an iPhone while walking through a parking lot, would be a lot better if it could be a little more professionally done and packaged. So uh, that was the launching point for for what he is now, which is the ready state, where you can now, I believe, subscribe to a really nice app and platform on there that can, you know, if you have an issue in your shoulder or, or hip or, or inability to squat below parallel or something like that and with pain, you can get on there and it will give you directed feedback towards that, you know, type it in and send you videos and, and all this good stuff. I don't know. I haven't actually used it yet. Um, I don't know. We've been kind of tinkering with that as your practice gets off the ground, Chanel, of um, maybe tinkering with that a little bit. The only thing that made me hesitate to pull the trigger on that was because it is, at least in the advertising for the Ready State, it is billed as a athlete's self-assessment tool. Like it's for an athlete to do their own thing, not so much for a professional who's working with clients. I don't know that the platform is geared well towards giving you the tools to work with multiple clients in a professional setting. So I don't know. We'll see. I know he still does his seminars. So he's got like the 101 seminar, which is online. And then if you take that and finish that, then you can do the 102 seminar, which is what used to be the 101 seminar, I think, which is an in-person deal. So that one. And I'm sure with his busy schedule, he doesn't do a whole lot of those. So they're pretty expensive, but you know, he is well deserving of his status as a, you know, very successful physical therapist and, um, you know, voice in the, in the realm of, you know, improving athletic performance. So justly deserved, um, that his services are quite expensive and his time is really limited. So uh, going into supple leopard, this is kind of the gateway drug, so to speak, into that whole sphere. And, you know, I had mentioned, you know, he was in bed with CrossFit very early on. Um, and is he was kind of the, the guy given credit for why there's bands and lacrosse balls and foam rollers and all this other stuff littering around your average, you know, there for a while, CrossFit gyms, and but now you know you see that stuff anywhere. Go to a powerlifting gym, strongman gym, whatever. But I think any place we've ever been into has usually got at least <laughs> some old dusty lacrosse balls and a foam roller over in a corner, even if people aren't actively using them. But um, uh, some things about the supple leopard. Uh, actually, getting in and reading it these last couple of weeks, all the way through again. Um, it's a big book. <laughs> 
<laughs> one of the just like not even not even we're not getting into the content yet but this this freaking thing is uh it's a coffee table book like if someone breaks into your house you could use it as a weapon legitimately to uh get them back out of it um i don't know i've never heard him actually talk about the book uh i could see some benefits to having a book like this like the quality of and size of pictures uh in this book are are really well done um considering it does seem like you know he made this early in his career so a lot of these are very likely shot in his gym he is the subject in many of the pictures so is uh diane Fu. And uh, Jesse Burdick, who's a power lifter and does his own stuff as well. And then the gymnastics guy in here, I'll maybe find his name somewhere. I know he was one of his coaches. Again, if you watch some of the old San Francisco CrossFit or Mobility Wad videos, uh, these people are in those videos quite often. Um, So it really does seem like it was an in-shop type of situation where they went around the office and were like, hey, we need to shoot a, you know, squat thing today. Let's, you're you're doing it. Okay, let's go. Um, but be- even though it is done at that level of, you know, DIY, the quality in the book is really good. And I think it's probably because it is such a large book. Uh, it's hardcover. And, uh, but the, you know, the only downsides of that is if you're reading this thing casually or as I do, I can only break off a couple pages at a time, maybe before I make breakfast in the morning or, you know, before I go to bed at night or something like that. And, or maybe um, now that it's summertime, hitting the pool or something. I'll. It's kind of inconvenient to take down to the pool because it takes up half your half your bag, or you're lugging a you know eight pound book, um, you know down with you. Or throw, you need to have a a, a decently sized backpack to just uh, casually chuck this thing in. It's definitely not a page turning paperback kind of situation. But uh, if you can get over that, or you know you put it um, you know on the shelf above the shitter or something like that. It, you have a decently sized shelf. Uh, you can <laughs> you can knock out a page or two each time. For those of us who are you know um, liter- literarily challenged, you know the font is big, the uh, the text is pretty friendly. Uh, if you've ever listened to Starrett though on podcasts, especially the older ones, I think he has done a decent job lately, especially on the Ready State with his wife, of like cleaning up his rabbit hole tendencies, the which is great professionally, right? It's a little easier to listen to him, but it's fun if you enjoy that kind of thing to go back to like the older podcast. Go find him on especially like uh, Joe Rogan's podcast because that was many years ago or old episodes of Barbell Shrugged where it's just him and the, you know, uh, Mike Bledsoe and, and, and those guys just go into town usually over a couple of whiskeys and he just will go off on these crazy – tirades about stuff and it, you know the guy throws around multi-syllabic words um mixed in with dune references and uh, all kinds of things guy's a huge sci-fi nerd so it's really fun to you get some really cool analogies and, and and like i said it's one of those things it's like listening to a podcast with louis simmons in it where there's like there's brilliance in it but it comes out in a language that's hard to understand so you need to usually listen to it a couple of times to uh to really process what he's talking about. But um, going into the format of the book, you know, we covered the purpose in the in the subtitle, right? The, the goal of this book, the reason you would buy this thing is that you are either a coach, preferably, it's definitely a little more geared towards a, a coach, 
um, would be your primary demographic who would want to purchase this thing. As an athlete, you could do it. Um, definitely a, a much broader brushstroke than if you had, you know, oh man, my shoulder kind of hurts. Well, maybe I should buy this book to figure it out. Yeah, you'll find that answer in there, but it's going to be three pages of this 400 page book that is going to deal with that. Um, it is a very good, I would think it, another pro to it being this large coffee table book is it's a good practical reference guide. I think this is a very good book to have. It's why you see it in so many gyms, uh, whether it gets used or not, that's a whole nother thing, but you know, it's a nice thing. It would be a nice thing to have in your gym on a table in the lobby or in the coach's lounge or something like that, that you could, when, when an athlete comes to you with an owie, you can very quickly go over and grab the thing very easily flip to the page on that particular thing. Um, as we'll talk about the, uh, the content here in a minute and, uh, address it right away. Um, so lots of good stuff there. Also, Starrett does a very good job in here of, you know, again, this is one of the reasons it became so pervasive in a lot of gyms is none of this stuff is super expensive. All of his solutions in here are, you know, done with lacrosse balls or a softball or a deflated slam ball or something like that. I think he uses a keg and some kettlebells and, you know, some bands and junk throughout this thing. So nothing in here is requiring uh, any kind of major investment in terms of equipment. It's really just, um, you know, a, a MacGyver style fixing of these things. So uh, again, a really good resource in a low budget gym uh, to do a real fix for an issue versus, you know, coming up with some wazoo uh, thing that, you know, for three easy payments of $39.95. Um, let's go into the format of the book. So this thing is uh, more or less broken into halves, I would say. I, you know, when I was reading through it, just it does strike me and my interest. Chanel will probably see it in almost the inverted um, way when she goes through it. But um, it's kind of broken into halves. About the first 204 pages is the thing I got the most from and really, really enjoy, which is movement description and breakdown. So Kelly does a really good job of following uh, the coach's mentality of he needs to teach you what right looks like first before he shows you how to uh, see correct uh, cue or fix uh, these issues, right? We need to know what a good power clean looks like, how we set up for it, how we execute it, how we finish it, and how we apply it to our training uh, before we can have a great understanding of the issues that can come from doing poor power cleans or something like that and how we address it. it. It helps us to understand the foundations of this good movement because it's one thing to just address a owie uh, that has come up from poor training, it is another thing entirely to address that pain, that issue, and then as a result of it, get to the root cause of the issue and solve that movement problem in that athlete so that that issue does not uh, present itself again, right? So the first 204 pages or so goes through very, very good detail um, movements, right? So he does a really good job of I like the, his category one, two, and three movements. So da, 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 here's a good example here. Yeah. Category one movements would be movements that go from a position of high stability 
with connection, meaning we don't, uh, you know, um, open the chain uh, to a position of high stability. So a good example of this would be an air squat, right? We brace, we get ready for the air squat in position with stance and, uh, and prepping our, our spine. And then we execute the squat but we remain in contact with the ground the entire time. We remain under tension, under brace uh, for the entirety of the range of motion. And we finish at a position of high stability. The finish of the squat is the same as the way you went into it, right? So that would be, in his mind, a category one movement. Category two movements go from a position of high stability to a removal of the connection with speed and ending at a position of high stability. So a good example of this would be, say, a high jump, right? So we uh, get into a position of stability and prepping for the jump. We were just joking about this the other day, right, with kids' class uh, mm -hmm. teaching jumps and finding it very interesting how um, few human beings these days understand the motor mechanics of jumping, right? It's something that is not being taught, and it's very disconcerting to see Small children have no freaking clue how to jump. Um, yeah, so that, that category two movement, you know, we're getting ready for the jump, we're prepping for it, and then we remove connection because we're jumping up in the air. So we're now in space. We have to negotiate that, right? And then we end the movement at a position of high stability. So the way we uh, land in that jump uh, it, there's ways of doing it right and ways of doing it wrong, right? Of, of landing in a nice controlled brace position, possibly to then go into another one. But that's a category two movement. And then category three movements are a position of transition to a removal of the connection with speed, just like the category two movements, and then ending in a position of high stability. So this is where we do not necessarily start and finish in the same way. So a good example of this would just be a snatch or a clean, right? So we set up for the snatch in a specific way. And then we, you know, remove the connection and move through with speed through, you know, the first, second and third pull. And then we finish that snatch in a position of stability, right? And, but the finished position of the snatch does not look the same as uh, as when we started. So it's interesting to go through those and see where he breaks up the category one, two, and three movements and how they build on each other. Um, I like it a lot. This is big. This is big for me because, you know, I really love the level one uh, format and the way they do the movement breakouts at the CrossFit level one seminar, where we go from, you know, the air squat to front squat to overhead squat, the shoulder press to push press to push jerk kind of deal. And you see very similarly there how we uh, build from those movements, the, you know, the deadlift, the sumo deadlift high pole to the medicine ball clean. And, you know, the differences, what the similarities and differences that are then layered in uh, as, as you're teaching those movements and progressing from one to the next. So he does a really good job there. There's some really interesting stuff in these movement places that you may not really, really good stuff as a coach, right? So one of the things I tend to see from novice coaches or especially in class formats um, for a lot of these things is kind of a lack of nitty gritty 
things. Um, I think both on the front end and the back end. And, and what I mean by that is like in the front end, you know, Chanel and I were talking about this the other day. Um, and going back to what we just said about the kids and the inability to jump, right? I think sometimes as coaches, we have that curse of knowledge where we kind of forget just how fucked up the average American is today in terms of coordination and ability to just understand how their body functions. You know, it's like the matrix, right? They just have never really used the body parts yet, um, which is crazy that you can go decades of your life without really having to do any of that. Um, you know, the most dynamic thing your average American might do is stepping off a curb and they don't even do that very well. It only happened once, once or twice a week right now, you can get groceries delivered to your apartment. You don't even really have to leave. Um, so very interesting stuff there in terms of, you know, oftentimes I see with novice coaches, we jump straight into teaching the air squat or something, uh, or the deadlift without, you know, try to teach the deadlift to someone who doesn't know what their hips are or like what a hinge motion even is, right? It's, it's an uphill battle. You can get through it, but if you're in a class of 10 people and you got two, one or two of those people in there, it's going to fucking mess you up. It's going to turn, it's going to degrade the quality of coaching you can deliver to the other people. And it's going to make you look kind of silly as you try to deal with those people who are that messed up. And they exist, and they're becoming more and more and more common uh, walking into a trainer's uh, situation. So um, Kelly has got some great stuff in here, and it's been around for a long time, uh, about talking about the basics of, like, here is what a hinge movement looks like. Here is, you know, the function of your hips and your hamstrings. Here's what these joints are supposed to do. And here is, you know, some basics in terms of here's how you teach someone to brace their midsection. Here's how you teach someone to send their hamstrings back and down. And like even just breaking down those fundamental movements like the air squat or the, you know, PVC pipe deadlift to something even smaller to get them started in that regard. Um, I think is really important. It's also in there, I mentioned, it reminded me of that, um, there's a section in the level one handbook for, for CrossFit that's, you know, anatomy and physiology for jocks. And it's like a two page section in there. But what I don't think a lot of people realize when they're going through that course is Glassman in there is talking about that. Like that section was not for, if you read it carefully, it's not for coaches, right? Coaches are meant to have a very good understanding of anatomy and physiology. What he was saying is that anatomy and physiology for jocks was for his clients, right? He wanted his clients, his athletes to have a just basic rudimentary understanding of like, this is your hip. These are your knees. Like this is what a knee is supposed to do. This is what a hip does. This is what a, you know, this is your pelvis. Yeah. This is your pelvis. This is your spine. This is what these two things do. And this is how they interact with each other. And a fundamental understanding of that with a practical application uh, for an athlete puts them in a place where they can actually learn what you're talking about um, and and accept something like being taught a deadlift or or a box jump or something uh, much faster than if you're just trying to figure it out from scratch. And so that's the front end. And then the back end is another thing you see with, you know, relatively inexperienced coaches is the inability to really dial into advanced athletes, right? It's like once they've got, once you can see someone generally check the boxes of, well, yep, that overhead squat, they're, they're in their heels and the, 
bar is in the frontal plane and they've got a active shoulders. What else do we do now? <laughs> right. Other than load them up with more stuff. There's, there's a lot more things in, in this book that talk about what we're really aiming for and, and some things that you take for granted, like the burpee. I learned a ton about the burpee in reading, uh, digging into detail into supple leopard, because, you know, in, if you just have experience in CrossFit and in your day-to-day class structure of CrossFit, uh, you can very quickly, I know I was guilty of this, get lulled into the, you know, this burpee being an efficiency thing that you're looking at, which is, you know, the flop, the flop and the worm up and the, which is fine, but it's in the context of competitive CrossFit. It's in the idea of this is part of this workout and I'm using this either as a controlled rest as I keep moving through this thing or as a, um, you know, just a thing that I need to efficiently get through, not looking at the burpee as, you know, a, as, a yeah, as a partial squat into a good push up into a explosive hip hinge kind of thing. And, and actually, if you look at it that way and try to make those individual elements of it blend together seamlessly with good mechanics, the burpee actually ends up being a really complicated movement. Right. And, uh, is actually, you know, it's a, it's a level, not a level three, but a, um, you know, category three movement in here and that, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in it. Talks a lot about, um, torque creating torque. I know I've changed my approach to coaching pushups as a result of just looking at the pushup and external rotation of the shoulder technique stuff that he talks about in this book. Um, you know, realizing, man, you know, when we teach the air squat, we're teaching people to spread the floor apart with their feet to get their, you know, their, um, hips and knees to get into that nice externally rotated, um, deal where we're creating torque and able to then drive heavy weight up out of the bottom because there's tension in the system. Why would we not be doing the exact same thing with the upper body and the shoulders, right? Uh, it's not something that uh, we get to see too often. So really good stuff there. A lot of things that were really, really helpful. And, uh, you know, don't be too proud as a coach, you know, to, to, to think that you're so good that you don't, you couldn't possibly still learn something about the squat or the push up or uh, anything like that. It's just not not true at all. So it would be a really good one here. Also, just copying his, if you're a newer coach, uh, just going through his movement hierarchy, learning the category one, two, and three movements, and like the progressions he gives for teaching these things, just straight up steal that as a template for like an on-ramp or a way of uh, coaching up brand new athletes coming in the door. And you have a damn good template for just starting off new clients, uh, that you can then customize as you get really comfortable with it. But instead of trying to invent something from scratch where you will inevitably fuck it up, you can take this very robust and well-developed thing that he lays out in great detail for you. Um, and then make it your own over time. I think that's well worth the price of the book. Uh, in and of itself, if you're a relatively new coach or a coach who is maybe starting their own practice or deal where they, um, you know, are, need to come up with something for their, for their athletes. All right, here, let's take a quick little break and then we'll come back and talk about the second half of the book and then some suggested uses and recommendations. All right. Welcome back everyone. 
We're just going to finish up here talking about the second half of the book. The second half of the book, and this is probably one that part that Chanel can talk to a little bit more. So this is where we're getting at, you know, uh, page 204. Yeah, 204 and on, which this is probably what people remember most about this book or what gets referenced in terms of, um, you know, a, you know, a daily tool. I think the way this book would, again, once you've really digested and ingrained all of the movement understanding and progressions and things like that from the first half of the book, it's the second half of the book I could see being something that is where you're as a coach in the gym, running over and grabbing the book and bringing it over, um, is he's talking about the systems of the body. And then this is where we're starting to see all of the detailed targeted fixes for specific things where he's listing a part of the body that some of the things that can be issues that you can see with it and then different techniques for working on mobilizing those areas, you know, different variations on flossing, uh, smashing, rolling and bands. Um, I think he does a very good job at the outset and then throughout of really talking about having an intelligent approach to a lot of these things. He mentions quite a few times, think something that I see often in the gym. And one of the reasons why, you know, to be fit, to be completely honest, I really never mess with foam rolling or bands or any of this junk. Like it's one of the things that's going to be tough for me getting into this because I geeked out on the first half of the book because I coach movement all the damn time and it's what I love and it helps me with what I actually do. But to be completely honest, like I really never mess with foam rolling or any of this other stuff. Um, partially, you know, as things have come out, you know, a lot of people say a lot of experts in the field have different opinions about whether this stuff actually does anything for people. Um, but really looking at Kelly's reasoning, I think it gives an interesting perspective on it because he himself warns many times in this is that if you're just in the gym on your phone swiping Tinder while aimlessly, absentmindedly rolling back and forth on the foam roll or calling that a warm-up, uh, you're not doing it right. If you're just sort of like chatting with your friend and just, you know, rubbing your back against a lacrosse ball on the wall just because it's just the thing that you do every day before CrossFit class or something to, to kill that 10 minutes when you show up early and bullshit with your friends, that's not really doing anything. And I would agree with that. And I think many of the people out there who argue that myofascial release and, and some of these other things are really just, I've heard some good arguments that it's just, it's literally like, you know, pinching yourself in the foot to distract yourself from your shoulder pain, right? It's literally just causing pain in a part of your body to dull out the noise of the pain in the other part of your body. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff you hear about like static stretching in that, you know, to actually lengthen, elongate, or cause change in your hamstrings, you would need to, you know, hook yourself up to a pickup truck and kind of deal like the amount of force you can actually generate by just bending over and touching your toes is not actually causing any real change. Uh, and, and actually in many cases can cause you issues if you then go on to do intense exercise afterwards. Um, what Kelly talks about in, in the second half of the book though, is, you know, he uses the term informed freestyling, uh, quite a bit to, to demonstrate the, like, even what he's showing you is not exactly what it's going to look like in your particular situation, having an intelligent approach, 
of knowing like what is happening, where it hurts, what the issue is, what the impingement is and what it's preventing you from doing. Um, and then actively targeting that and going after it and testing and retesting in terms of like seeing where that impingement is, taking one of these mobility tools, applying it, and then retesting it afterwards, like better, same or worse. I like that. And, but I don't see that very often. So I think an informed and, and really targeted application of what he's talking about is important. I think that a, a dumb not paying attention, just absent, like thinking the foam roller is magic and that just laying on it is going to do something for you is indicative of half of the issues that we see with, you know, the sort of the American philosophy towards stuff. Like I bought this foam roller and I sit on it and text my friends, why is it not fixing me? <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not how it works. Half the time things need to be more pinpointed too. They're using way too, like a big fat foam roller, like you said, and just rolling, just sitting on it or rolling your, your leg in general, but it's probably not going to do much if you know, you need to know specifically what you're going for, what you're getting at. A lot of times you need a smaller implement. Right. Right. And, that, and this is one of the places where, you know, for you, Chanel, when you dig into this thing, um, where I think it would be really helpful is, you know, you see a lot of time, you, you have the same experience that maybe I have with nutrition or something with a, with a client on average in a gym is, you know, unless they're paying me an intense amount for personal training and, and personal attention, I can tell them, you know, through a, a, through a brief conversation, you eat garbage and here's some ways to not eat garbage, but I can't actually go home with them and walk them through a day and live at their house for a while. Like I would want to, uh, cause they can't afford it. Right. Uh, this, the tools in this half of the book are really nice in terms of, you know, if you have a athlete with pain or, or an issue that requires a significant amount of work, you could work on them during that half hour session that you're in, but then give them a relatively cheap and efficient, you know, um, what, you know, homework assignment, essentially like here, take this band, hook it to this and do this movement because again, but it's informed, right? You have identified the problem by talking to them and then working with it. You've identified that the issue is here and you've identified that working on it like this will probably help it and assigning a specific homework assignment, not just, I don't know, man, just foam roll it or something. I hear that all the time and it pisses me off. <laughs> you know, some, some athlete is in genuine pain or having some kind of dysfunction and the coach just is clueless about a lot of this stuff and just goes like, I don't know, I guess foam roll it or something like it's, and it's given in that kind of regard. And it's, it's just, if anything, if the person doesn't know what they're doing, they could cause more issues with some of this stuff. Um, you know, laying on a lacrosse ball. Uh, for the wrong reasons can can cause issues. So um, good stuff here. He goes through each individual part of the body where it's sort of highlighted at the beginning of the section and then gives a multifarious um, variety of solutions and tools that you can use depending on what you got. Again, this is one of the things I really like about this book is that, you know, he's using regular everyday junk that you've got in even the cheapest gyms to fix this stuff. There's no you know, Kelly Starrett's patented da 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 thing that you need to buy. It's, you know, wooden dowels, kettlebells, bands, jump, jump stretch bands, lacrosse balls, easy, easy stuff uh, to have and use. So 
again, whether it's the individual athlete or the coach, I think you can hit a lot of this stuff really, really well. But again, I believe you need to have an intelligent approach. And to that point, you know, this is where I would need to do this. So I kind of skimmed through this second half of the book because it's very much like it's instructions for individual movements. And, you know, I'm more of a kinesthetic learner in this instance. Like if I read a banded front rack instructions for how to do a uh, front rack stretch with a band or something like that, uh, I will forget it 0.3 seconds after reading it. Like I need to go into the gym with a band and I need someone to read through this paragraph with me and we need to do it a couple of times. And I need to feel like, oh, that did. Okay, I get it. Um, so I think oh, one of the things that we're going to do here is, you know, expanding our movement library with YouTube, uh, on the United by strength, um, things that we, the videos that we make and use for our clients. I think one of the things we're going to do here is go through this second section here and do videos of a lot of these individual fixes, um, not only to be able to provide for our clients, but also to help it ingrain in us so that in the future, when someone, you know, comes up to us with an issue, we can, it'll jump more readily to mind this specific um, technique for, you know, trying to alleviate the issue instead of just saying, I don't know, rest and roll on a thing. Um, very good. Anything on that, Chanel? Because I know, you know, you've had experience in terms of, you know, sessions with clients where we're working on something that has been directly caused from poor movement patterns. And I know you make a good effort with your clients to, you know, recommend, assess their movement, recommend a fix, not only in the moment where you're working on them when you're manipulating them, but also, uh, Hey, stop push pressing like an asshole. (laughs) And then maybe your shoulder wouldn't hurt kind of stuff. And I think these are tools that can help you in that regard a little bit in terms of maybe aftercare or, or, yeah, I mean, I think it's great that there's the two parts to the book. And I think that's why um, it's great that, well, I have the coaching experience and then the massage um, experience because they go hand in hand really well. Because I can fix something with my hands if there's a trigger point or a knot or something in their muscle. But if they go back to the gym and do the same thing that created it again, it's going to keep coming back. Um or you could fix what they're doing at the gym, but if you never really pinpoint and relax that spot, it might stay tight or painful. So I think it goes really well together here in the back. You've got all the different ways to stretch and do mobility and roll and um, pinpoint trouble spots. And then in the front, you know, it's how do you do the movement properly so that it doesn't come back or you don't create it again. It goes really well together. So I think that, especially the second part, like you said, for someone who's just, who is a coach, but that might not have the PT, OT, or massage therapy background, the back half of the book is actually going to be a great reference guide for you. And then for those PTs, OTs, and massage therapists that maybe aren't coaches, the front part of the book is a great reference point because that's their weaker area. Uh, Yeah, and I think really digging into this book and books like it is a massive feather in the hat or cap, whatever that analogy is for, (laughs) for coaches uh, out there, because man, I cannot count the number of times it's pretty darn close to a hundred percent of new clients or people that walk in through the doors. I mean, you're okay. Many people are either going to say I've never worked out before, you know, or this is, or they've, 
done crash diets or something like that, and then you're their first experience exercising. Um, the the number of people who come in who are athletes already who are like, yep, I train this a lot. I'm just looking for a new gym to train at because I moved. I have no pains or issues and I'm doing great. That percentage of people is is way down. That used to be the norm and is not anymore. Um, but the sheer number of people who are like kind of fit, but pretty squishy and like whatever, uh, the number of people who will come in and be like, yeah, well, I was doing this Zumba Peloton theory purple uh, of some kind, but then, well, they'll caveat that with, I was doing this and then this hurt or something, then blah, blah, blah. Or you'll get a story of like, my shoulder hurts from when, back when I was doing this thing. That's super common, really, really, really common. And if you can be a trainer who goes, I hear you, I, let me show you some stuff to help you work on this because most trainers won't even touch that stuff, right? They, they'll either have a dumb silent answer. Oh, uh, uh, well, let me show you the machines that we have, like just sidestep it completely and not talk about it. Or they'll reference them to uh, an expert. So, I mean, the, the first one's obviously the worst response, which is just like, uh, I'm a trainer. I don't, I don't deal with owies and just get around it. That person, you just became, they might try your fitness regimen. They might try you as a trainer, but you, they know you're no better than the person who hurt them before. Right. The second best is the person who's like, I hear you. We try to not do that here in my practice. And we also have partnered with the physical therapist or chiropractor or whatever across the street who does a bang up job of keeping all of our athletes in really good shape. Let me give you one of their cards, right? That's the second best, but way better than that is, wow, intense. Let's talk about that here. Let me show you some movements over here and then test retest them. And, you know, in some way help move them towards fixing that issue. You just, they will never fucking leave. Like if you can fix someone's problem and keep them on the track towards looking better naked, you will have a client for the rest of your life. Uh, they will run through a brick wall for you. So for, you know, almost nothing, because I'll bring that up here in a second. Suggested use for this is, you know, absolutely new coaches and experienced coaches. If you have not read this book, you need to. Uh, new coaches just straight up steal most of the stuff and just plainly copy it uh, until you get on your feet and learn some of your own uh, techniques to branch off of this stuff. But experienced coaches, tons of nuggets in here that you can take out. I've, I've taken out many, many things from this and applied it to, you know, the way I already taught the air squat or the way I already taught the push up, And I've, I've augmented and improved that through reading this book. And then in terms of acquisition, that's the thing is this thing was, in, you know, originally published in 2013. This is an easy ass book to get your hands on. It is still in print go on to Amazon and buy a beat up used copy of it, uh, for, you know, half the retail price. It'll be easy. Uh, or chances are your gym has a beat up copy of it somewhere on a shelf and just ask to borrow it. Uh, there's no excuse really. This is a really, um, plain and simple one to get into. Then Kelly is still doing stuff in terms of the ready state, which, you know, again, I, I'll to full disclosure, I have not done a ready state, um, subscription. However, Chanel and I do listen to the ready state podcast, which is a very good quality podcast. I think all but one of their seasons 
has been immensely helpful. Uh, and not only that, but they interview someone specific um, each time. And so the number of references to other cool things you should probably check out is massive uh, and well-targeted. They do, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a podcast snob. And so uh, we definitely delete or unsubscribe from more podcasts than we attach to. Right, like audio quality, ability audio to speak, quality. yeah, and, and presentation of good information and lack of bullshit, um, and ease of listening. So the Ready State ranks up there. It's very, very, very good quality. So I would definitely recommend checking that out as well. Uh, do you have anything else? Just to add a little ways back when you're talking about um, if that the trainer who would either see like a just going to ignore that you said you're hurt. This is what <laughs> yeah, we do or all the time, you know, go see, you know, another thing that could be, um, not great for your business. If you're just like, I don't know, go see a doctor. Hmm. I mean, in the end, if you don't know, that's not going to be, but a lot of times if they go to a doctor or a PTOT yeah. chiropractor that doesn't work out, a lot of times when they're, it could just be, you know, like a little inflammation in your elbow or something. And the doctor's going to be like, all right, don't work out for right. six to eight You weeks. just lost yourself a and client. You just lost a client where if you know a little bit about flossing or a little bit about rolling or a little bit about working around an injury to keep that blood flow, they can still do other things. You're going to keep them around and they're going to get better quicker than just don't do anything for six to eight weeks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, you've, you've done a major disservice to that person because sending them to the doctor is only going to leave them with a prescription for something that is going to hurt them in some other way or yeah their elbow pain might go away from not using their upper body at all for <laughs> six months but the rest of them gets fatter and shittier not as a result peaches <laughs> or peaches are bad you just got to find the ones that are also yeah into fitness yeah if you're if your physician doesn't work stuff. out go find a different physician you know I, I want my physician to be as good of an or an, at least some kind of athlete else they just don't get it. All right. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. Are you still talking about the ready state or are we already kind of covered that? No, I mean, it's, it's there. It's a podcast. Yeah. It's a really well-established website. It's a different kind of topic too. It's not just the, um, what's in supple leopard, like season three was really cool. And that was all about kids. And season six is their most recent one. And that's about nutrition. Yeah. It's like really said, good. And they interview other special specialists and, and the topics that they're covering. So it opens up to a whole bunch of other people and things to follow and yeah. reference. No. And I mean, supple lever is just one of the older ones of the books uh, that Kelly has published. There's also uh, desk bound ready to run, I believe is another one and, and some other things like that. So this won't be the last uh, star at uh, publication that we will go over. Uh, it's just kind of the most well-known one. Like I said, this is an easy one to get your hands on. There's probably one at your gym. Borrow it from another coach. Uh, get a used one. Um, it's definitely not a – you would not want this in an audio book. You would not want this in a PDF or like a ebook version. It just doesn't work that way. As, as clunky and <laughs> awkward to haul around as this book is, I probably wouldn't have done it a different way. Um, just, just get through it. It's well worth it. And then keep it on hand because again, you get that person who rolls into the gym with an issue and you can reach for this thing, flip to a page real quick, and then run them through a couple of drills with, with a band or a lacrosse ball and make them feel better and improve their quality of life. You, again, 
they will be yours until you screw it up in some other way, but it will be a huge help to, to your athletes and clients. So I want to say that desk bound one too. I remember reading that one a while ago. We have that one at home. Yeah. We'll cover and, that one. Um, yeah. That one, I believe if it's that one, it's a lot about, you know, if you're stuck at the desk all day, or if you travel a lot and you're stuck on an airplane or you're stuck in the car, yeah. you're stuck in one position where you're like, I know I need, I should be moving throughout the day and not standing still yeah. or sitting still for a, an extended period of time that has a lot of good tips and tricks and advice on like where to get little movements in and how to sit properly for a long time or right. stand properly or how to get in movement in between when you can't. Absolutely. When you're no, we will definitely go into long. detail on that book. We'll hit that one uh, soon because that is another thing that is a major issue in training clients, especially in a, in a class situation where you might not have personal high paid one-on-one -on -one time with this person is, you know, it just gets applied onto you that, you know, you coach their classes and they work out with you, but their other 23 hours of the day, they work really hard to trash their health as much as possible by sitting at a computer and eating garbage and guess what? You'll still be the one to get blamed for the fact that they're not. Why am I not losing weight? Why am I not? Yeah, they don't even realize it or it's their fault necessarily. But they, we've some people have just grown up like the one hour in the gym is the time you move. I got in my one hour. I burned my calories. Right. They don't realize that the other yeah. 23 hours they're sleeping right. in one position or they're sitting my, at the desk. My Fitbit told me I burned this many yeah. calories in your class. Why am I not losing weight? It must be your fault. Yeah. <laughs> the government regulated 150 minutes of exercise or something like that per week. I hit that. Why is it not working? Yeah. Uh, and even if you don't sit down and read this book front to back cover, or if like Grant said, just looking at the mobility part, you're like, if I read this, I'm not going to remember it. A lot of times with massage, being a new, newer massage therapist, uh, I learn the best when someone comes to me with a problem and then I immediately go and research it. So just mm. knowing, just being familiar with the pages and kind of what's in the book, even if you don't, don't try to memorize it all. Cause if you don't use it for a month or six months, you're going to forget all about it. Yeah. But when someone comes to you, if you know that there's shoulder stuff or chest stuff or whatever in the book and you have an idea, then when they say, Hey, I was told I have tight shoulders or something like that. Yeah. You might not have the answer right that second, but you'll be, you can say, Hey, I've got something for you. Come back to, you know, like let's address this in two days and then you can go do your research and know where to find it. And, and that's huge. That's huge. And that you've, you're demonstrating to that person that you are willing to work for them. Like you are spending time in your off hours researching their problem. I mean, that's huge as a, just a psychological connection with your client. Yeah. And it makes a connection in my brain. Like I have a person, yeah. I have this specific problem. I get to try this thing. And now it's like a real tangible thing and I can see if it works or how it works. And now I'm going to remember it. I might not have to look it up the next time because I have like a story in my head to connect it to versus just a picture on a page. That's yeah, that's an interesting point as well. Yeah. I'd copy this stuff. And, and like what Chanel is saying, I think one of the other things that's developmental as a, as you become a really good coach is you know, don't be that person who's walking around quoting this stuff, you know, well, Kelly Starrett would tell you to just, no, these are non-patented, like this is universal movement pattern kind of stuff and fixes, like learn, he's, he's putting this information out there, not as Kelly Starrett's patent and copyrighted method of opening up the shoulder. This He's showing you, this is how a human shoulder is supposed to work. And here are some really 
easy and effective ways to improve the mobility of this thing or fix issues with it. You know, make it your own and and integrate it into your own coaching. Right? People don't want to hear what your quote from Kelly started. They want to hear your solution to their shoulders because they came to you. They're paying you for your time. You fix them uh, with your knowledge that you've gained through someone like Dr. Kelly Starrett. That's a really good point. Um, all right. Well, I think we talked to the book. You know, the, the detail is in here. You need to get the book and go through it. To, to, there's nothing revolutionary in here. It is just, again, virtuosity. It is the fundamentals. It is the basics done really, really well. Uh, and explain in a way that is pretty easy to implement and a very good step-by-step guide, like Chanel was saying, in terms of uh, the ability to just you know hear about an issue or have a situation develop, reach over to grab this thing, flip to the appropriate page, and you know have some solutions presented to you to apply in the moment. So, yeah. There's also you can get a slow drip on Instagram. He usually posts like a daily or weekly, like, hey, if your hips are tight. Yeah. Try this. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. I mean, if you're on, if, we're not on social media a whole lot, but when I do scroll through, his stuff usually pops up. Yeah. That's a good point. If you're a super visual learner yeah. and you have time as a new trainer because you don't have a ton of clients, get on the assault bike or the rower and on your TV or something, put on, just go look up those mobility wad videos and just have them running on a playlist. And you can watch him go on for hours about demonstrating a lot of this stuff in real time. So if you like to watch video and you learn better that way, that's another great way to get a lot of this stuff. But I think almost all the information he puts out there is really, really good. I'm sure there's some advanced PTs and and whatever out there who have disagreements in terms of the technical execution here. But this is like baseline nuts and bolts, great starting point for us, ground level daily practitioners who are dealing with not, you know, ultra advanced prescription level pet pathological kind of stuff. We're dealing with owies and boo-boos, like little bumps and nicks. And these are the great solutions for it because most people don't get any kind of suggestions from their trainers or, or anything from it. And it's a big reason why people quit exercise programs is because they get bumps and nicks. And the person who's guiding them through that has no answer, no solution for them. And there's really no reason for that because this stuff is not that complicated. You just need to take the time to learn it. Okay. I think we hit this uh, pretty well. Uh, the, the conclusion is go buy the damn book. Uh, you know, find it. It's really easy. It's been out in publication for a long time. It's a bestseller a couple times over. So there's plenty of copies out there that you can get your hands on for real cheap. It's definitely worth your time and the space on your coffee table. All right, everyone, have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the United by Strength podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the information that we were able to put out today. Please take from it what you want and leave what you don't. If you have feedback for us, please send it to United by Strength podcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review if you have the time. It really helps people find the podcast and allows us to grow our base of listeners.